You were listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. It's good to have you back. It is so good to be back. It's been a while. You went all the way to Malawi, and now you're back. We went to Mexico and then Malawi. Yeah. And we've been gone. So we've been gone about a month. We're both different colors. We're very <laughs> Latin right now. Well, um, I'm always Latin. Sometimes I'm just lighter. How many weeks has it been since our last episode? Three weeks? It's four weeks? Maybe a month. Three or four? Three or four weeks. We're getting we're we're, we're getting harassed mm. on Instagram. Well, it's called intermittent fasting. I got actually kind of a funny, I mean, I got a lot of funny, funny DMs, but I got one woman who was like, this is irresponsible of you guys. You guys should be letting us know when you're doing podcasts. And I was like, I was like, I literally said, she, she screenshotted the, the profile and said, it says every week. And I said, it is every week. <laughs> every week we do it. Except and then I put the- a little shh. Emoji. Except for, except, it's every week, except for the weeks that we don't do it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But everyone takes like weeks off. But listen to me. <laughs> listen to me right now. All right. We needed a break. We needed to take some time to get our minds right. We needed to let the world do some funny things that the world does. Mm-hmm. Now we have things to talk about. Well, do we? We have lots of things to talk There's about. There's so much going on. I, I mean, one of the great things is that we actually have movies in movie theaters this summer. Sure. But more than movie theaters, <laughs> we have new merch out. Oh. I'm wearing a hat and I'm wearing the shorts. I'm wearing the shorts too. But I forgot my t-shirt at home. I was uh, going to go full merch. Well. We have t-shirts. We have shorts. We have hats. We have stickers. We got coffee mugs. I would say I, I love the merch. It's, it's amazing. Pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's, it looks really good. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was you wearing can, the it's, shirt yesterday. It's available now. You can go to the thebattleradypodcast.com and buy the merch. And it's do always it. it's always limited. It's do limited it or edition. don't do it, but don't at me for trying to buy old merch. <laughs> this is the thing. You know what they do? Every, you know what people do every time? The people do every time. Once we stop selling it, they hit us up for it. For the old stuff. Yeah, but, but you, I we I never re. You're not like that. No, I never no, no. re-release the same I, thing. In fact, I don't even get the old stuff. And that's not true. You have all the old stuff. No, I mean, if I want it again, no, it's, it's we, gone forever. We stop, and then we we stop. We do giveaways. We, we move on. Them. Yeah, it's on, it's over. So order the merch now. BattleReadyPodcast.com. Okay. The Mo- merch is like a wave. So we saw a few Catch movies recently. We, we watched a few TV <laughs> shows. And uh, you want to start? I, I think we should start with, I've been. What, what's your favorite new show right now? My favorite new show. You're stealing my favorite show. Well, we can both have a favorite show. Yeah, sure. That's the same show. I told you about it. Okay. Okay. Is The Bear. The Bear. It's on FX, Hulu, The Bear. And we are not... Paid sponsors of the bear? No, nah, I wish I was. Yeah, but I love this show. I, lo- I love it so much that I watched it and then I downloaded it and took it with me to Africa and watched it on the plane on the way to Malawi and finished all eight episodes again before I got there. <laughs> I've watched it almost three times. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. I, I just think- Have that- you watched the bear, Brooke? Just a little bit of the pilot. But I need to go back and watch it. No, I think what Brooke said was that it was unwatchable. It <laughs> gave me a lot of anxiety, and it, okay. will, it will do that. No, that's the, that's that. the disclaimer. I was about to give the disclaimer that Brooke. Uh, several of my friends have told me that they couldn't watch it because it created in them overwhelming anxiety. It's true. It's a real thing. Eric Roy, one of uh, your good friends, yeah, good friends, and he basically said he couldn't watch it because it stressed him out. He watched it though. 
He liked it. He went back. He said he he hated it. it. He said he hated it. But it's but he's uh he's late adapter. (laughs) I love my I love my guy. He can do so many things I can't do. The movie, I mean, the series is really stressful. Uh, Brick, what was your experience? I didn't understand what was happening. They were running all over the place. He kept calling people chef, and everyone in the restaurant was mad. And we had just put our son down, and I was tired, and we said, not tonight. We watch Modern Family. <laughs> all right. Wow. If you are, yeah, That's when you go to the In-N-Out line. It's too long, so you go to McDonald's. <laughs> I, I do think that if you're under a lot of stress, and you start watching the bear, yeah. the bear could probably send you into a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> I think Duh. episode seven yes. has, episode seven has, I, I think it's like one cut. Most of the episode is one cut. And he's yelling for 25 minutes. Yeah, I, I read this interview and he said he had to yell for basically 30 minutes. Yeah. And it was so stressful. In fact, it's- And then episode eight, he goes in and does a seven and a half minute monologue. Which is amazing. Amazing, which is like almost one cut as well. Mm-hmm. So you have just incredible moments in this in this show. You got to get to the last episode. It's now, I worth don't, I don't, the entire thing. It's terrible, but I don't know the, the lead's name. It's Jeremy Allen White. And he was in Shameless. He's in Shameless. So he grew up kind of on that show. Yeah, for I think like a, 10 years. And then it's mm-hmm. Ayo Adibri, like the young- Sydney plays the young mm. uh, woman who's uh, a chef who's bounced around from the restaurants. And then uh, Paul something Bachrock. Right. So I was never a shameless guy. And no, Ebon Moss Bachrock. So he's basically a new uh, personality for me. Okay. A it's new cr- artist. You never watched Shameless? Not really. No. Okay. And uh, I think he's brilliant. He's amazing. He's, um, and he's just smart, fast, and uh, brings incredible energy and emotion and complexity to his role. But my favorite thing about it, when I I love every show pretty much that has uh, anything culinary in it. I mean, I just love cooking shows. I, you know, I'm a huge chef's tables guy. I, yeah. you know, I, I love shows that are cooking competitions. Yeah. So uh, it's already in my sweet spot because okay. I think I think that um, being a cook or a chef is such a unique profession. Okay. And but then this one um, carries a lot, I think, complexity because he's what he was the chef in the best restaurant in the world. Yeah, Eleven Madison. And and then he comes back to take this little mom and pop shop in uh, urban Chicago. Yeah. And and so you you really have the you have a, a case study of a of a genius who's on the brink of psychological and emotional collapse, taking on. A collapsing legacy that was passed on to him by his brother. Yeah, I think the interesting and, thing about it is is it's a strong community show. It talks about how, you know, I think I read an article that talked about how like uh, we're all call, we all should call each other chef. Yeah, and it talks about having this base foundation of respect for everybody in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one there's one woman in there who calls him Jeff because she <laughs> pretends she doesn't speak English except for when she speaks English. Yeah. And will f- refuses to call him chef, so he calls him Jeff. And it and 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 then there's like the dishwashers who were like, "Why are you calling a chef?" And there's all these guys, "Why are you calling a chef? Why are you trying to change everything?" And I think there's so many times in our lives, or situations, or businesses, churches, whatever it may be, where we don't want to mess with the systems. Yeah, we don't want to mess with the institution. That's why it really resonated with me. Don't want to change things up. It really resonated with me because chef is considered a title of incredible honor, and you are the central and, and singular authority. 
And now he's creating a culture where he's calling everyone chef. No, but and I think that's part of restaurant culture is that you call each other chef. Well, he transforms the culture. It's interesting. Because, or does yeah. he? He kind of wrecks it. Well, he does. He destroys it before he he transforms it. He deconstructs before he constructs. Yeah. And and I, I thought about even in my own journey as a pastor, um, I always had a hard time being called pastor. Okay. I wouldn't let people call me pastor. Right. And then when you and Mariah, really, and others came and convinced me, you, we need to call you pastor. Yeah. So then I thought, okay, if I'm going to be called pastor, then I'm going to um, start calling everyone who's on this team pastor. And uh, and so we, you know, then we have Pastor Brooke and Pastor Aaron and Pastor Joe and Pastor David and Pastor Tess. And, and in fact, one of the senior adults here later commented and said, um, we don't even know who's a pastor anymore because it seems like everyone's a pastor. And they said it in a very frustrated one of way. One senior adults? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who was it? It seems like it's always, they're always down for the changes. But it was confusing for them because um, they came up in a church culture where there was only one. One. And in yeah. fact, the the senior pastor where many of them came out of, he said there was one pastor only in a church. Yeah. And, and so then to go from that culture to a culture where um, it seems like everyone walking on the platform is a pastor. Yeah. And and I think it's the same concept of giving that mutual respect. And I, I love that because it's it's a story that really deals with not just the story of one person, but the story of an entire culture having to be transformed to a newer culture. Can that culture step into the new as it steps out of the old? I think that show is really interesting because I don't know how many people, like I watched that show and I was like, I want to be a cook. <laughs> it just, it was like, yeah. I love, and maybe that's bad. I just, I'm like attracted to the toxicity. <laughs> I'm like, I want that like masochistic, mono, like uh, focused job centric life. I love that. There's something addictive about it. And then you realize like, I don't like sometimes I'm like everyone in, 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 you know, we got so many softy young people who are like, mm -hmm. you know, I need to be home for but, dinner. But it's funny. 10 years ago when you, when you came to me and you said, dad, if what? I want to be, you came to me and said, dad, if I want to be a pastor, where should I go get trained? And what did I tell you? I don't know. I, don't I said, go to culinary school. Did you, you never told me to go to culinary school. You never told me to go to culinary no, school. No, I did. That's not without question. That, without, I got a lot of questions for you, but sir. You, you, don't, you didn't listen. I told you. Then I, <laughs> I told you if you or want. Or it didn't happen. No, I told you if you want <laughs> to become a pastor like Mosaic, you have yeah. to go to culinary school because Mosaic, I said churches have cooks, but Mosaic is a cook, it's a church with chefs. Interesting. And, I remember that part. Yeah. Okay, maybe. Maybe I remember parts <laughs> of it. I'll give, you, I'll give you a little bit. But I would say, the thing I love about this show is that it, you're watching people turn a, a sinking ship around, right? Mm -hmm. And and you're watching people who are like giving everything they have for something that's so small. It's not even that big in the world. It's like to make meat yeah. sandwiches, beef sandwiches yeah. in Chicago. And they're doing it for pride. They're doing it for, for the respect. They're doing it for just the heritage and the tradition. But they're also like embarking on new ventures and 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 building relationships, and you kind of get to watch in and out of the show. The show is really interesting. The show has an insane amount of profanity. Yeah. So you know, if you're looking at it and you're trying to watch it with your children, maybe that's not. Fair I tried show. to watch it with your mom, and she tapped out within minutes. Yeah, it's not mom's <laughs> kind of show because no yeah. one's British in it. Yeah, and no one's wearing like a bonnet. <laughs> There's no carriages, but yeah. also you. Wait, what, what can you really watch with the family these days? Because you can't watch Thor. You can't watch Buzz Lightyear. 
<laughs> you can't watch Marvel or Disney. So what do you watch? But are we entering yeah. an era where we can't watch Disney with our kids? No, but I want to go back and say what. Years ago, I did a, a talk on the eternal nature of temporary things. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm on this new thing. I, I'm talking about this thing. No, right I see that you're leaving the bear. I, yeah, I'm leaving the bear. We did 11 minutes on the bear. Yeah, and I think that the question is, and here's an important question. Is it worth creating something extraordinary that a person is going to consume and it's going to disappear within minutes? Yeah, I would compare the bear to the what the church on Brady was, to be honest, like what mm -hmm. the church was before Mosaic was. Mm -hmm. I asked you a lot of times, like, yeah. why didn't you leave? Because mm -hmm. it was a dumpster fire. People people were mean. They were not respectful. There was no chef culture in that world. No, it was it was brutal and 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 weird stuff was probably going on. It was a, it was a weird spot. It was mm -hmm. a weird thing. You know, and, and I, people will probably be offended who listen to who listen to this podcast. But I don't think it is why I like the bear. The bear feels like my experience coming into the church. Yeah, because you stuck with something that was awful. Yeah. Because you committed to it. And then you turned it into something great. Yeah. And so that's why that show really means a lot to me. It does. And also that there is an eternal nature of temporary things. That um, when Jesus turns the water into wine, you think, what a wasted miracle. You're going to drink that wine. And then it's... Um, and you, it's gone. You're going to pee gone. it out later. Yeah. And uh, and so is it worth creating the best wine in the world when it's going to be consumed, disappear? And I think a lot of times we don't understand the transcendent nature of creating beautiful things in this life. And I think it is worth figuring out how to make the best pastrami sandwich in the world so that someone can enjoy it. And there isn't. There's you an know aspect. that's not what they were making, right? I know. They're beef sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. These were Italians. <laughs> no, they're not. They pretend to be Italians. Yeah, that's like the joke of the show is that they're, they're not actually Italians, but they're, they're around Italians. Yeah. And you see, even there, it's like, is it worth your life to prepare to bring the best message humanly possible every week, even if people don't show up, even if people don't remember it, even if some people don't respond to it? And I, I think the reality is that the people who change the world understand the temporary, the, the eternal nature of temporary things. So interesting. I resonate with Richie, cousin Rich, cousin <laughs> as being just the crazy guy who breaks up the fights, starts the fights, <laughs> who's doing the little things to try to keep the thing alive, who, who's always yelling, he's always telling stories. I resonate with that. But moving on. All right. Are we good? Here we go. I like the wine, the wine, the wine <laughs> metaphor. Because I think I really, do, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I do think like you more than anyone are able to walk away from things going like we did that and it's okay that we don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. You, you kill projects faster than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> and you're like, it's like no ego in it. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't even have, you always have like sentiment towards it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very nostalgic creatures, yeah. but you never look back at things and go like, oh, we should have kept it. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, we had to close that thing up because it didn't work. Mm -hmm. We had to move on because it was working and we didn't like it. Yeah. You know? Or it was working. It was taking up too much of our life and we wanted to do something else. Yeah. Which is interesting. <laughs> but how come you don't feel that way about Hollywood? Because this place weird. <laughs> Hollywood's weird. You, one week without you, man. I like you. Like we had. I don't know how this happened, but this is a great like case study for how not to do vacation requests. But like everyone on our team was gone. Like I think there at the was same like, time. A, Brooke, yeah. how many people were gone? Like eleven people. 
I would need to look at the calendar. It it really it wasn't the amount of people; it was who the people were. Oh, on top of that, the ones who stayed, like Brooke, were sick with COVID. That's yes, true. There was that. <laughs> we, had, we had Brooke, but we didn't have Brooke because it was Brooke, Andy, Mariah, Aaron, Colin, Colin, Rob, Mom, Dad, Carlos, Carlos, Joe, Joe David, Joe, David, David Elisa, 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 and Mariah. Mariah. You said Mariah. Okay. Yeah, but Mariah, when she's gone, it counts for twice. Counts for twice. Um, and, oh, who, and Martoine was gone, too. Martoine was gone, on. too. So we had 13 people gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our team is only 22 <laughs> in all campuses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Elisa was gone. And she went to home. We said Elisa, right? Yeah. Okay. You said Elisa, yeah. yeah. yeah she Elisa was counts out. for three. Like, Elisa counts yeah. for five. <laughs> and you count for like a 10. So <laughs> it, it was insane. I think it was, it was me, Tess, Austin, Matt. Michael. No, Matt, Michael was gone. No, Michael's here. Okay. Michael's gone now. Okay. Matt, Luke, and Ethan. And Ethan's gone now. And Chad. Okay. Chad held down South Pass by, by himself. himself. <laughs> Tess went, but you know. Tess went. And then we then we have Ash. So like I guess we have almost we have almost twenty five people on staff. Yeah. It was insanity. Like it, like it was pretty crazy to think that um, we were running Hollywood with just like five people, and then that South Pass mm-hmm. was running South Pass with like three people because we sent um, Tess and, and Ethan over, and um, and I never want to do it like that ever again. But also, I realized that I was I was lonely. I missed you guys. I was so sad. You were in Malawi. Yeah. How was Malawi? You were in Africa. If you don't know where that is, Malawi is in Africa. It's kind of in between Z- Zambia and Mozambique. Yeah, it's um, Zimbabwe. It's completely Sorry. landlocked. Yep. And so it's not on a coast. It's right in the middle of southern Africa. Yeah. Um, What's the coastal? Is it? It's Zimbabwe, right? Is the coastal country? And I, I, I don't have that kind of um, <laughs> geographical geographic uh, expertise it's to fine. be able to map out every single country in Africa. So you fly. I, so walk us through that flight. How oh long? Oh my gosh, flight? it was brutal. It was from L.A. to Qatar. Um, you went L.A. straight to Qatar. Yeah. Okay. And um, and then from Qatar to um, Johannesburg, and then from Johannesburg to one city in Malawi that I'm not familiar with. The long way? No, it was uh, Bel. It was starts with B. I can't remember what the it's other called. way. And then and then from that city to the long way. Uh, so you have four. So you have four stops. Thirty six hours. Thirty six hours to get there. Thirty six hours. Yeah. How yeah. far was it from LA to Qatar? I think it was like a 15, 16 hour flight or something like that. It was yeah, insane. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it, uh, so it took a long time, 36 hours to get there and then it took about 30 hours to get back home. Okay. It was a little faster. Okay. And the transitions were quicker. Um, so that's 66 hours of flying for um, being on the ground for four days. Yeah. So that's a little brutal. Uh, it was amazing. Um, Mosaic, our community built really what was the premier primary school in the entire nation of Malawi. And we built a public school so that the country would have access to it um, openly. And we put it uh, in the village of Chalisa, which is an obscure little village that has had no light, no electricity. So we built a school with solar energy. And so when we dedicated the school, the lights came on. And for the first time in this village's history, in the history of mankind, it's the first time they had light. And it's just 
it was just extraordinary. It'll hold around 15, 1600 students. Uh, there, one day there's a there's a tribe, and I don't remember the name, but of um, of animists because the community's animistic and they believe in spirits and demons, and hmm. and uh, they came through with their masks and uh, were running through the campus, um, and it's just this like dark battle, bringing life and light and hope and and education, and so the the chiefs. Why did they do that? Um, uh, they they well they do that basically claim the land they kidnap children out in the woods they're they're violent they're um, destructive there's a real darkness there did they do that while you guys were there uh, no you know we did you know and and Kim's out there chasing him going you're not you don't belong here you're not allowed here <laughs> I mean your mom was like a lot of they they come in in groups you know like what like what size I'm curious I don't I, I don't know you didn't and, see them. Uh, I didn't see them because I was in another part okay, when yeah. they came through. They came through twice, I think. Okay. And so I met, I was meeting with the chief, Chief Chalisa. The village is named after him. And we had a, like an hour-long conversation. It was like this incredible time together. And he had been asked what, what he wanted before he passed away. And he said he'd love to see a school for the children. And so we built this school as a part of his vision for the future of his village, which is quite extraordinary. And so we expected, I think, a couple dozen chiefs. And we had like four times the number of chiefs that came from the area. And it was just an incredible day meeting with the teachers, casting vision, talking about their future and uh, investing in them and building something really quite beautiful. And people were saying, we thought it was university. <laughs> and um, and it, it's just, uh, it was just exciting to be a part of that. And, and also just to, to think about the fact that the world doesn't have equal access to everything. This is the first time they're having access to energy, to light, first time they're having access to education at this level, and um, and that will change the future for an entire generation mm. to come. So it, it, it was just an honor to be there. And, and when, uh, one of the you guys- You spent time with the, the chief, and you spent time with the president of the country. I did. I, I got to spend time, Kim and I, and, uh, and Joe Smith, and I spent time with the president of Malawi, and um, which was incredible. We were on the campus of a college, uh, Bible college, that he- actually was a part of, in that the minister of lands, which is the most powerful position other than the president, he also went to that school. And mm. and and it, this president is actually a follower of Jesus. And, mm. and he said in our meeting together, he goes, we are fighting corruption, but corruption fights back, and it's ruthless. Mm. And it's pretty hard to hold the, the top office and realize that you're dealing with massive corruption on a political and institutional mm. level. And... Um, it's just exciting just to be a part of it and to see the be part of the transformation of a new future for a nation. And one of the guys who works with us, his name is Blessings. And I asked Blessings, you know, I mean, we, we, um, we've been working with him for seven years. And I said, Blessings, where'd you come from? And he, and he said, I'm from a small village that's surrounded by three hills. And every day around four o'clock, we would have to go inside of our uh, houses because the lions would come to eat us. And Not really houses, right? Like huts. Huts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying that more generously, right? No, no, be realistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, the, in their huts. And and he said, so I grew up not knowing there was a world outside of these three hills. I grew up not knowing there was a world outside of running into your hut at four o'clock to avoid the lions. And now here's a guy with an education. He's meeting with the president. He's meeting with yeah. the, the top cabinet. Yeah. And he's aspiring to be a part of parliament. And 
I, I don't know why, but it just had this overwhelming sense of fulfillment that we could be a part of something so special. And frankly, one of the things that also came to my mind is, you know, during the pandemic, there were, you know, huge movements with Black Lives Matters. And when you're talking about the, the uh, dealing with the historical global equity or inequity of cultures and that this is yeah. one of the best ways of practically acting on the principle, if you believe that Black Lives Matter, you go to the core, to the continent where um, the the mass of of um, of Black um, citizens live, and you help them gain access to the things that have been uh, in avail uh, inaccessible and available to them. So I feel like Mosaic has taken on such a practical application to this principle. It's wild. It's amazing. It's yeah. incredible. You actually, you said the chief of the village gave his life to Jesus. Sorry, no, no, the son of the chief. The son of the chief and his son. His son. Just gave his life to Jesus the week we were there after seven years of conversations. So crazy. It's very hard to leave animism. It's very hard to leave this belief system that there are spirits everywhere and there are yeah. demons everywhere and they control your life and you're, you know, you go to uh, witches and and yeah. try to get you know protection and and yeah. it isn't a culture of blessing. It's a culture of protection. It's like you don't have really spirits who are for you. You have spirits who are against you, and you're trying to find some protection mm. and uh, from the spiritual uh, domain. So interesting. And and it was just a beautiful moment. And um, if I could maybe just share. Um, at the giant rally at the dedication to school, there were like two thousand people there, and 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 I and I had this conversation about whether I should wear a suit or not, and um, and you know Kim saying you have to wear a suit, and I said I'm not going to wear a suit, and she was like you have to wear a suit, and I said I'm not going to wear a suit, and 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 it, it, and I said we're in we're, we are at a cultural intersection. Mm -hmm. I said they expect me to wear a suit because I'm a pastor. Mm -hmm but we want them to see Jesus for who he really was. Mm -hmm. And um, the cultural traditions of the missionaries do not make it possible to see Jesus clearly. Mm -hmm. And and so we had several people who wore suits, and, I, and when I spoke, I said, you know, Pastor Joe and Blessings are wearing suits out of respect for the importance of this day. And I said, I'm not wearing a suit, and let me explain to you why. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not here simply representing Mosaic. I'm here representing Jesus of Nazareth, who walked this earth as a simple common man. And in the middle of that dirt field, soccer field, I just sat down in the dirt, which would be very demeaning of me as a leader. And, and sitting on the ground, I just said to them, I want you to understand that Jesus didn't come as a king or a politician, or he did not, he did not come with wealth or fame or power. He came as a simple man. Mm -hmm. And he was a man of the dirt. And I just grabbed the dirt and I said, and uh, and that's how God has come to you. And I want you to know I did not come to thinking I was above you, but I came here beneath you uh, to serve you because that's the way Jesus came. And and later I was told that just the mass of people were just weeping in that moment mm. um, because it gave them an opportunity to think of Jesus in a new way. And the idea that God would walk among them in the dirt rather than be above them hmm. was, I think, a concept that had not been expressed to them. Hmm. And and I, I really, for me, it was one of the most meaningful moments in my life. Hmm. And um, I'm still very emotional. Hmm. 
Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. It's quite incredible that, you know, we could have such an impact so far away. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't even think about it. You don't even think that there could be people on a different continent that doesn't, that don't have lights. Yeah. And I, it's, it's hard for me to understand, right? Like how mm -hmm. did, how is there such disparity between, you know, even just modernization of like technology and yeah. just even like electricity, you know, from the Western world to, to the African continent? Like how does that happen? You know, there are a lot of sociological um, perspectives on this. And some of it is just simple. Like the further you are from the equator, the more advanced cultures became. Um, maybe simply because the colder it was, the more you had to figure out how to survive the cold. Mm -hmm. And while you're in really hot countries, you have to figure out how to survive the heat. And um, there are different aspects that, um, of a culture that emerge. And because um, you, you basically develop the skills you need to survive. You know, just, you know, just like I was talking to someone who was uh, from Mexico, and I think it's the Haramatara uh, Indians who can run 70 miles a day. They just run 70 miles a day because they run everywhere mm -hmm. because it's what's necessary for survival. And I could never run 70 miles in a day, <laughs> you know, maybe even a week or in a month or in a year. But they're, even their children do it. And, and I think that when you think about it, societies and development of cultures, you, you, you innovate when it's necessary to survive and you innovate what's necessary to survive. And I think in Africa, they didn't um, have access to the same things that they had in other parts of the world. And so I don't understand the full aspect of it. And I think that would be a great, like larger conversation to talk about why some civilizations flourish and others do right, not. Right. And, um, but it, it's small things like the ability to read and write uh, one of the reasons the Hebrew culture emerged so powerfully across the world is because um, even if you don't believe in the sacredness of the Torah and the Bible, mm -hmm. they had to read. Mm -hmm. It was a part of their culture. And reading elevates cultures. Mm -hmm. Writing elevates cultures. And even to this day, the chiefs do not read or write. Their signature is their thumbprint. Interesting. And... And so I think wherever cultures had a demand, had a need, had a value for reading and writing, those cultures elevated. Mm -hmm. And I also think the lack of resources was a huge part of what happened in, in parts of Africa. It's like their survival is, is a, a struggle where there's very little rain and very little crops. And, and um, you know, and so ironically, things like being conquered by the Greek empire even though there's a huge downside, there was a huge upside because the Greeks really believed that their thinking, their philosophy, their knowledge was a huge part of their contribution to the world. Hmm. And, uh, and it, it's, it, it's interesting when you think about um, how sometimes we, we try to pretend the cultures are the same, but cultures are not the same. There are cultures that elevate the human condition and cultures that actually um, oppress it. And, um, and I'm not for bringing all of Western culture to all the world, but I think that there are aspects of, of the Western culture that are really valuable, uh, like the value of the rule of law. The president of Malawi kept saying, my wonder one goal, my number one goal is to establish the rule of law, that people actually, when they have power, have the law over them, not under them. Right. We, we assume that here. And, and wherever you don't have that here, you have social unrest. Wherever you, you do have that, 
you actually have a healthy society. Except for like in the Middle East. Like democratization doesn't actually work in the Middle East. No, no, no. It doesn't work in Syria. But they don't have the rule of law there. No, they have a different rule of law. They have different rules of law. They, right. You know, if you are caught doing something, they behead you. If you are caught doing something, you take your hand. Yeah, the difference in rule of law is that um, you, the person in power, are not over the laws, but the laws are over you. And that the laws actually are just and equally implemented for every person. But I guess that's relative, right. isn't it? It isn't. So it isn't. That's a that's a subjective thing. This isn't objective, right? Because it's each religion, each each territory, each uh, culture has their own definition of what the rule of law is. When you fly into Singapore, it tells you right there. Yeah, that's so in the true. Four no, Seasons no. Ritz Carlton Looking uh, Airport. If you bring drugs in, the punishment is death. It isn't like potential death. Yes. If you bring drugs, you're dead. Right. They and this is, this is the part that people don't want to oftentimes accept. What? The rule law in the Western world works because it has a Christian worldview. It doesn't mean that you have Christian nations, but you have a Christian worldview that every person is equal and that every, or every person has the right for life, liberty, and pursuit of justice mm-hmm. and our happiness. And, um, and so when you have an Islamic country, um, their culture does not have the ingredients for democracy. Interesting. And and so you're uh, right in that. Um, one of the mistakes the United States has made is they, they thought going to war and conquering nations um, would allow them to implement democracy. It doesn't. You have to have the right culture ingredients for democracy to work. And democracy doesn't work in nations that have, um, um, what what is it, the... The law of Islam, um, Brooke. I, can't, I, I, th- I know the name, but I don't want to mispronounce it. The Quran or no, the Sharia? Yeah, Sharia. Sharia uh, it's like Sharia law, and so Sharia law is different, and uh, it doesn't um, treat everyone as an individual who has the right to life, liberty. They don't have the right for freedom of choice. You have to be Muslim, and. And so it doesn't have the, the cultural ingredients for, for democracy. Democracy is very fragile, hmm. and it's very rare in history. And we should not assume that it easily translates everywhere in the world. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. So, I mean, Malawi is working hard. So would you say, no, but... Either, to become a democracy. But become, they still have chiefs. They do. So are they working hard? Should the chief be a mayor? <laughs> That's what they are. No, but his son will be the chief. Yes. So he's not the mayor. Well, they're all related. So the, the village... No, that is the excuse. No, no, they are related. And, uh, they, no, so, I'm not saying but that has nothing to do with this. Should there be a chief if they're... If, should, they, should they head to, uh, to, to a democracy? Or is it this old world and this new world kind of fighting internally? It's, it's, it's an imperfect transition. And so if you, you have chiefs, so you have to work with what's there. And if you can have, you can work with chiefs and they actually begin to value education hmm. and, and elevating their people, that chief is actually going to operate to create a better world. If you have a chief that just wants control and an autocratic culture, it's going to be really negative and destructive. But is it any different, all right, than living in Los Angeles where you have Garcetti mandating things and in California where you have Gavin Newsom. Are masks back? I heard that we have mass mandates coming back. Debatable. They threatened it. So is executive Barbara. is executive order and mandates any different than having a chief? <laughs> I mean, yeah. You probably, there's probably more schools built in Malawi than there were in Los Angeles this year. 
Well, <laughs> you stand like that. <laughs> I don't one, even but. know how to respond to that. I, I, I don't know. know if I don't know if our I think our mayors do as much as their chiefs. Yeah. Little to nothing. I, I think it comes down to no matter what structure, no matter what system you have, if you have someone, the person who holds power, if they see their power to be used for the good of others, then you're going to have a situation that's going to make the world better. Do we fail if we stop trying to bring democracy around the world, knowing that it creates a better standard of life? I think we fail if we stop inspiring the world to move toward democracy. I don't think you can impose democracy. Do you feel that our, our democracy is what inspires them or our capitalism that inspires them? I, ooh, Brett. <laughs> what do I think? <laughs> I think you can't have our capitalistic structure without our democracy. But can and you have democracy come, without the capitalistic structure? People come to America as an entrepreneur for yeah. our capitalistic structure. People come to America as a refugee for our democracy. Yeah, let, let me be clear. We're not a democracy, we're a republic. Right, we're, we're a representative democracy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, the, the founders were actually... Um, Why is that differentiation important to you? Because the founders were afraid of democracy. They, they did not want a society where every person's voice was equal. Yes. They wanted a culture where the most thoughtful people were making the most thoughtful choices. They, they messed up. <laughs> <laughs> they messed but up. But it's why they have the Senate and the House. And why we have an electoral college. Yes. Yeah. And so when I say democracy, I'm using that term very loosely. And uh, in terms of um, a society where the individual's rights are valued and protected. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm really good with a, rep uh, a representative democracy or republic that exists to protect the rights of the individual. And... The challenge, of course, is that capitalism is a part of the, the chemical compound of what makes this nation work. Mm. And capitalism can be both good and evil. It can be uh, a positive force and it can be a corrupting force in the world. And, and so you have to figure out how, how do you mitigate capitalism except through ethics? And you can't impose ethics. That's why... Um, Regardless of where your views are on Jesus or Christianity or the Bible, um, the foundational ethos that allows capitalism to work is an ethos where there's an ethic of trust and integrity and compassion and generosity mm -hmm. and goodwill toward each other. And those foundational ethos, is, uh, ethos it, it comes from the, a Christian culture. And so would you say that people have a failing view of our democracy because I, I think the majority of the nation would agree that they don't trust or believe in the way that we're governed any longer, which is why I think communism and socialism has taken such a like a, pre a prevalent like role in young people's minds as the potential, you know, favorite uh, form of, of of government, which is absurd right. because it, I think they're looking at what democracy is and capitalism is and going, this is revolting at certain certain aspects of it. So, yeah. you know, the communism is the other option. And I don't agree. I think communism is only evil. I think democracy can be both good and evil. Capitalism can be both good and evil. But cap com communism is only evil. Socialism is, socialism is only evil. I, I'm just going to have to say, like, I probably wouldn't say it the way you said it because I'm a little bit more diplomatic. Yeah. And uh, but Why? but I think it needs to be said the way you said it. What aspect? That communism is evil. 
communism is evil. Yeah. And, but, and but, that socialism in the end creates um, only a destructive um, society. And let me explain why. Socialism only works when you convince the populace that every company is evil, that capitalism is evil. And so you're basically telling everyone, let's control every business by creating a singular institution that controls everything. And the problem with young socialists is that they don't realize that governments are institutions. Mm -hmm. And they are basically corporations that do not create wealth, but only consume wealth. So why would you trust the US government to have singular autonomous control over our lives, over our ec economy, over everything. See, I, I think that the best way to keep some level of, um, of protection of human freedoms is to actually have competition. Hmm. Governments don't like competition. And so I'm like, you know, everybody says, okay, you know, Amazon and Microsoft and Apple and, you know, they're all evil, right? You know, of course, like, you know, you can't trust Bezos and you can't trust Elon Musk and you can't trust Bill Gates and you can't trust these guys. Well, okay, I'm going, okay. I'll just go, of course you can't. Yeah. But why would you trust a person elected to office more? Right. See, why would you trust Donald Trump more or Joe Biden more? Why would you trust a person in politics, in government, more than a person who created something that has a trillion dollars worth of worth? And, and I think a part of the, the challenge is that we have to realize that um, power is a very dangerous thing. And when you have unrestrained power, it will cause authoritarian control over its society. And that's true for governments. And so I'm like, who do you want to control the world? Netflix or the White House? <laughs> Not the White House. And, Not the White House. And I, I, want, uh, I want a world where there's always competing entities that, um, in a sense, neutralize the power of the other by their growth, not by their control and power. Hmm. And, uh, and so even though I'm not a huge fan of capitalism unrestrained, I am a huge fan of capitalism uh, if it means free enterprise. Well, I know we need to wrap up, but wouldn't yeah. you say that legislation and laws being put into place are some form of like ethical restrictions on capitalism and the government and the people who live inside them? Yes, because... We all understand that everything has to have some limits. And so the upside of government is when it creates healthy guidelines so that companies can't take advantage of people hmm. and, um, and, and can't um, be capitalistic without restraint hmm. to the destruction of other people. Hmm. And, and so there is like this, this very, very tightrope kind of relationship where you, you need to create enough room for companies to start and thrive. That's how economies work. And, and you also need to have enough um, boundaries and guidelines that make sure companies operate in an ethical way. Hmm. I want to know when I order something online, it has to come to me. <laughs> you know, right. and, uh, and so we want to have enough um, rule of law and governmental control where um, if that company doesn't send me what I ordered, 
there are actually ramifications. Hmm. If it was just capitalism unrestrained, they could they wouldn't have to send you the product. They just well, take the income. I ordered a president, <laughs> but I can get one, so <laughs> I'd like my money back. <laughs> All um, right. Brooke, you got anything else to say? No, I think it's I think it's really good what you guys are talking about. I think it's really interesting. I, I think it's interesting, Aaron, that you would choose trusting Bezos over trusting our government. My goodness. If 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 we had an option to license the USPS to Amazon, I would do it in a heartbeat. I think we should, the reality of socialism and oligarchy, like what people don't realize about socialism and what like Russia is, is really a dictatorship, but yeah. it's but it's under like, I guess, a socialistic, communistic They guy. call themselves a democracy. Yeah, but that's not real, <laughs> right? Like that's actually probably more true socialism in that everyone gives everything they make to the government and the government disperses it amongst like the top one, not even 1%, probably 0.1%. Yeah. And the 0.1% run it with the billions that they create, probably in the hundreds of billions. These people are wealthier than anyone in this planet. And then they are, mm -hmm. have massive control over the government licenses, the ore, the oil. Like they're controlling all of Europe in the Middle East right now because they have n most of the oil. Yeah. Did you see the leak that happened? I guess like the, the, the G12, did you see that, Brooke, where the French prime minister like whispered over to Biden saying like, what are we gonna do now? Like the Saudis are oh, out. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't see that. The Saudis are running out of the oil that they can give to us. Yeah, I just leaned over to Biden and said, what are we going to do now? We <laughs> supported the, you in this. The what mic are we gonna was do still now? on. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. For me in the U.S., I go, look, there's so much that's broken with the government. Like it shouldn't be, I, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't have to like uh, worry about a social security card. I shouldn't have to be going to the DMV and waiting four hours. Like there's so much, I guess, um, uh, frustrating, inefficiency, bureaucracy in the government. And, and I do think that there are, you know, we, our government was created by private citizens before they were private citizens. They were rogue citizens. They were, <laughs> they were, our government was created by like, I guess, um, uh, rebels. Yeah. Not even rebels. They were traitors. Yeah. We're a country of traitors. <laughs> we betrayed the queen and became who we became. And now we refuse to let other people kind of innovate and modernize what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I think it's insane that there's still voter fraud. I think it's insane that there's that there's a, a, a that you can't fire a mayor. I think it's insane. <laughs> LA, LAX is a third world country airport. <laughs> oh my and God. we should be firing Garcetti and firing Newsom versus positioning them to be the next presidential can candidates. You should not allow people like Donald Trump to run for president because of the atrocities that he has caused inside of his own his own systems. There's just certain things that shouldn't happen. And we seem to like let everything happen here. So, you know, we are the Wild West still, it feels like, of democracy. And I wonder like what will end up I don't know. I wonder where we'll go from here. This is not meant to be a nihilistic ending. I, I'm just excited to have conversations and go and from here. And by the way, this is why I believe Jesus is the singular answer to the future of humanity. Yeah. Um, all the problems that we have in the world begin in the human heart. Mm. You cannot have governments that are not corrupt if you don't have people who are not corrupt. Mm. And it has to uh, begin mm. with my personal integrity. Mm. It has to begin with each of us choosing to become the best version um, of what it means to be human. Yeah. And instead of just identifying the problems, we have to become the solutions. Okay. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons I was so excited to be a, a small part of what's happening in Malawi, because I do believe that good people can change the course of human history when they have the courage mm. 
and the competency to hold those positions of power that make the world better. Hmm. I love it. It's good to have this conversation. It Pick is up good again. to have this conversation. So we just want to update the Battle Ready followers for everyone who's kind of, we had, we had kind of teased like a conference that we were going to do in October, but mm -hmm. we realized we needed a year of planning to do it. So we're going to do that in 2023. This year, 2022, we're going to do uh, a conference here. Our Mosaic Leadership Conference. Mosaic Leadership Conference here in LA. Um, it's going to be the fifth conference that we've done, which I think is really exciting. It's going to be really cheap. It's under $100. October which, 7th and 8th here in Los Angeles, California at the Rialto Theater. The Rialto Theater. So come, be a part of it. It's going to be Friday night, Saturday, and then, you know, Sunday, stay for church and the whole thing. I think you will not want to miss it. I think we're going to try to do maybe a secret battle ready session, mm -hmm. maybe late night somewhere. I don't know. It'll be really fun. But we're also going to... And I'm going to say, if you're a senior pastor... And you're coming and you'll bring five or more people. Yeah. Uh, DM us and or put a comment. No, DM us. DM yeah. us. Yeah. And um, I'm bad already. we'll have a special conversation when you guys come. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great week. Write uh, a review and rate this podcast. You can do it on Spotify. You can do it on YouTube. Comments. I've been loving the YouTube comments. They're wild in there. <laughs> They're wild. You can subscribe to our YouTube. You can uh, rate this re and review this on Apple. And you can um, give us five stars on Spotify. We will see you guys next, next week. Next week.